It's uh, episode, what, like 40 or something, I think? I think 40, yeah. We, we missed one along the way, though, so uh, it's a false 40. Yeah, no need to know. Uh, anyways, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good right now. I'm here for the weekend in San Francisco, uh, which have we recorded even since I've been in... Fucking... Yeah, no, we did one. We did one two weeks ago when I was already in California, but now, so yeah, this weekend I'm in, I'm in San Francisco for Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. which has been pretty fun. I'm here today, Sunday, so I went Friday night and yesterday all day, and I have today all day um, for heading back to Mountain Fucking View hmm. to late at night, and then work tomorrow, but whatever. Um, it's fun, actually. It's very fun. It's very, I don't know, like, how many comedy festivals like this can exist, like music festival style in terms of just like six stages or five stages set up and like constant something going on and you can just fill your entire day um, with nine hours of comedy and it's, I think they literally modeled this after sort of like Coachella style music festivals with like the headliners and the like the minor acts and like the big stages and small stages and, and all that stuff. I haven't been to a music festival so I don't really but the way it looks, it's like branded and everything looks a lot like that. It's kind of cool. It's a, it, I'd say it works pretty well for comedy. And yeah, other comedy festivals I'm aware of don't do quite the same thing. Like the one we had to in Toronto in September, uh, we being me and Elia, <laughs> um, it was a different kind of thing where they just had a bunch of comedians in town for like a week and they were doing a couple shows. And you could like get a sort of package deal to see some shows on sort of scattered nights, but it wasn't like a full weekend kind of event. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been it's been very fun. Seen some good people. Dude, yeah, that that sounds like a good time. Who who are some of the acts that you've seen already? Um. So let me think. There are a bunch of names that I can drop right now. I guess. Uh, saw Sarah Silverman when big fan of uh she just had a netflix special that i i actually wasn't familiar with her like at all but um i watched her netflix special the night before i watched her live and it just like got me pretty hyped for it um who else i saw this guy moshe kasher twice i saw um tig nataro who i'm a really big fan of uh she's this comedian Did I hear you say you saw someone he, twice? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I saw, I saw one guy twice because he, like, he has, like, a podcast that he does with, like, every other fucking comedian, and mm-hmm. he has, uh, and then he just did, like, a 15-minute stand-up bit. I saw Chris Hardwick, if you know Chris Hardwick. Um, I saw, actually, skipped Bill Burr last night because because we got tired. And it was like the last thing of the night was going to be last thing of the night being like 10.30, but still here it's done by like 9. It, it's pretty 
tiring actually to laugh for the entire day. <laughs> um, Is it? Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, we're seeing Seinfeld tonight, which will be holy shit. That's massive. Cool. Yeah. Uh, a few of the other things, some other names. We've got the Parna Venturla was one other person I saw. Um, I think I've seen like 10 different people at this point, and probably another 10 or so today. Uh, so, yeah, the pace has been, I saw it's been stable, also, like the rapper. Um, hmm. He's just here as well. It was kind of like a, I don't know, they, they tried to like sprinkle in some music for this, for this weekend as well, and it didn't really. I don't know, maybe it, maybe it works. It's just the crowd was not hyped at all. And I think Ben Staples is, he's 23 and he's like probably younger than everyone in the crowd there, but me and like two others. So um, the crowd is a little bit more of like a sort of classy kind of, not necessarily classy, but classier than Coachella. That. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, uh, you said it's like laid out similarly to a festival, but is it kind of just like, everyone wearing tank tops like having a great time or like what how would you describe the vibe uh yeah i guess that that's probably the bigger difference between music festivals uh in that yeah i mean it's hard to tell really if everyone's on drugs or not like maybe they are <laughs> but uh, but i don't think so i think everyone's just like drinking beers um i mean I, there is like a sort of constant just like cloud of weed smoke in the air hmm. even though you're technically not allowed to take it in but like they really couldn't give less of a shit it seems um and yeah but no i think the crowd is like it seems the typical uh, festival attendance is a couple in in their late 20s early 30s doing pretty well but it's somewhat struggling like, it's not necessarily the techie people, but I've seen a couple, like, Google sweaters and, like, startup hoodies and stuff. Um, and, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's not, it's not quite the same. Yeah, people aren't wearing tank tops, they're wearing, like, maybe, like, a button-up t-shirt or something. Fair enough. And how, how long do you stay at each stage? Like, do you just stand there, uh, do you sit? Like, what's the... I think it's most, it's, it's got chairs everywhere, at least. Um, but they're uh, so there are chairs everywhere for the for the musicians. They're like there as a formality slash a nuisance because it means no one can get hyped because you're like sort of constrained to your row. Um, so they have two stages that are outside, uh, and then four or three inside of one building, um, and a bunch of like food tents set up in between. But yeah, the and but yeah, they're all they're all they're all chairs. The stage the sets are about forty five minutes long each, but they're like they um usually they'll have like two or three comedians. They'll have like a fifteen minute set each. Oh well it's it's not T J Miller and it's uh I passed on Hannibal Burris uh, actually to get to get good seats for Fred Armisen, who is the guy from SNL um, and yeah so so yeah they do about like a 15 minute stand up thing it's just like typical Netflix in the like Netflix age people expect an hour but that's like rather uncommon actually very very few comedians can actually pull off an entire hour keep something keep the crowd engaged for that long. Hmm. 
what uh what was tj miller like i feel like every role i've like seen him in is just like playing like a stoner or like kind of like <laughs> temperate immature yeah man child i saw him so i saw just the last last couple minutes of his of his set because uh, we just like pulled up late or we were watching something else i think and i'm like or like yeah getting food or something like that and they He's, he's very he's very very energetic he's very like sort of just gets himself into like a flurry of activity and he um so did this joke about I actually didn't find this this one joke that he did for the last three minutes kind of funny but that's like totally not necessarily the best way to judge him um he is about like oh, the best feeling ever or first he's saying how great of a feeling is it that you don't have to work tomorrow because it's a Friday night? And everyone's like, yeah. And then, and he's like, the even better feeling though is when you like come home shit faced and are like, can't, yeah, trying, I don't want to, the hard thing about relaying comedy is that like I'm not a comedian and I can't yeah. do it. But basically, the joke is about how the best feeling is when you're really, really drunk late at night and then, and you think that you have to go to work and then at one point you realize that you don't because it's Friday night or something and you're the type of person who doesn't have to work on Saturdays and uh, and that relief would just be like, fuck it, I'll take care of it tomorrow morning. Yeah, so he was, he was kind of like, the, the, the sort of substance of the bit was less set up of it and more like him kind of acting it out and like, like animatedly describing it. Um, yeah, I think I think that's kind of his, his, his style. It's less about uh, subtlety and more about energy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cool. Is there is there anyone that you're uh, looking forward to seeing besides Seinfeld today? Uh, yeah, there's this one other podcast that I've been listening to. So, in, like in preparation for this, I found I got tickets for this in like March, and in preparation, I've been kind of checking out some of these people. Mm-hmm. Of course, every single one of them has a podcast because, like, it's the perfect medium for a comedian, just like us. Uh, hmm. Well, except, <laughs> except that it doesn't have feedback. Like, I, I guess, like, uh, some, some might. Yeah. But well, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them are, are live shows they do in front of like a, in like a comedy bar or something where they got like a regular oh. weekly weekly set. Uh, it's like it's less stand up and more like talk show kind of thing, but. They kind of thrive in that, um, and they're like makes for very good listening material. Um, so they get that form of feedback, and like the audio bit of it is sort of secondary. But some of the, it varies. Some of them are like some of them are entirely audio, and they just like start sitting in a studio, compare that interview from somebody that's being funny. I'm like Tim. <laughs> So who's, who's uh, so yeah so yeah so there the one that the one that I've been getting into is this one podcast called Two Dope Queens, mm. which is yeah it's just a comedy podcast. It's two dope queens, um, and they. What does that mean? Um, like, I mean, I guess it, I guess the, the the literal translation would be like two cool black women, but. Um, I see. <laughs> But yeah, so Phoebe Robinson and uh, Jessica Williams are their names, uh, and they just kind of like they, they basically they have they have their live show that they do 
where they bring out, I think they have like two or three comedians that they sort of introduce every episode and like have them come on and do a five, ten minute set. And then in between, they just sort of like talk between themselves, and like shoot the shit. And uh, they're really good, actually. They're one of the more, I think they're one of the most popular podcasts. Actually, I've not maybe seen them in the like top list, but I feel like I, I've seen them for a while before I started listening. Yeah, I've heard their ads on like pretty much every like NPR podcast or Invisibilia or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, it, podcast ads are really really weird because like, or like ads for other podcasts on podcasts because, mm. like, there is kind of implicitly, by advertising, they're saying that like because you like this podcast, you would like this podcast, and like yeah, pretty much they even like outright say that in some of their advertisements. Yep. Uh, yep. But I don't know. I, I find that generally, I do. I if I try to listen to it, I'll end up not liking it. Or really yeah, have you ever actually found any any um, successfully through that? Because I feel like I've tried a couple. No, like the only podcasts yeah. that I've added are either because they're at the top of the charts or because like a friend recommends them to me and like. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so their 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 ad didn't. I don't know. Their ad didn't do a good job of winning me over. It's just like, we're two dope queens. Listen to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're, I mean, they're, they're great, and I found it really useful for, I think through them, I discovered maybe five or ten other meetings that, I, that are going to be there this weekend because they just have, like, three every single week. And that's pretty cool. Um, and it's pretty, like, light listening. Uh, and just like yeah it's fun and also yeah I, well I also, I also kind of realized that like almost the majority of the content I consume is like produced directed created by white males and now there's nothing wrong with white male opinions necessarily but it's uh it's kind of like I felt so this is this is okay this is my this is my evolving uh, more nuanced view on race than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think is kind of the problem with... See, the, I feel like the, the, shallow, the shallow take on race that a lot of people, a lot of like good-intentioned people go for is the classic, like, I don't see color, I'm colorblind. I, I, you know, uh, you know uh, like race is, race is a social construct, and, and you know, that's like... It's a great sentiment, but the problem is, and, and that's how that's how I felt for a long time. And I feel like you know, if that works when everyone when everyone thinks that, and there's no history. Um, but the problem the problem I found, if if you if you just passively take that attitude, what you end up in is surrounded in a bubble of like white male produced content, and unless you actually that's, that's how I found it to be. If you're just passive about it and like, you know, consume, consume whatever content gets like kind of put in your face and you don't push a little bit further because you just keep getting recommended and recommended whatever is more. And unless I found until I like kind of cracked that uh, bubble that I was in, bubbles don't crack, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, I, my, what I'm trying to say is being passive about it will result in you getting a very, very monotone 
thin, and that doesn't even accurately reflect the like. There is there is some distribution in comedy of uh, of, of racial demographics, and if you just passively consume it, what you what you receive isn't isn't reflecting that diversity. It's it's a, it's a subset of it because that's what gets just like because there's a dis because there's an imbalance in how things get pushed, and I. So yeah, this is this is my this is my attempt at trying to trying to trying to kind of like get get past that. And I found, and as soon as you start doing it, it's like, holy shit! My Netflix recommendations now are huh. not entirely all white males. It's like it's uh, it's literally I was comparing because your Netflix recommendations are all are all very personalized and geared toward you and. And if all if all that you see, which is sort of like the default recommendation you get, it's one thing. They keep giving you more of that, and you just get stuck in that. And there's a lot more out there. And I do think, like, I think there is like value in diversity, even for its own sake, as in just like there being, uh, like in general, it's it's been shown in a bunch of places, even for like. There's a totally like ten, totally tangential example, but like food. When you feel, okay, how full you feel after a meal, uh, and this is a stupid maybe thing to, to to draw a conclusion from, but how full you feel after a meal depends on a lot of things, right? It's not just based on the number of calories you consume, but it's based on like how physically large the meal appeared to be, how I think one of the big ones actually is the diversity of tastes that you consume. Um, for instance, a sandwich or a pizza, um, where it has many different many, many different tastes, that's been shown to have like. So this is this is like a pretty stupid enough, pretty stupid thing to bring up in this in this context. But I'm saying there seems to be you get a lot more from from a diverse set of things than the uniform one, which is almost which sounds like it should be an obvious statement. But, yeah. No, your your end. It's worth exploring something. Your end conclusion may not sound like revolutionary when you say it like that, but I'm glad that you like had that journey because, like, each set of realizations is very important. Uh, to to coming to that conclu and coming to that conclusion, uh, I like I like what you said earlier though, like way earlier about, uh, <laughs> people saying that they don't see differences between races is like kind of like a cop out, of like of everything that's wrong with racism today. Um, cause like, I, I don't know. I, I personally do believe there are differences between people of different races. Like if you go to a, a different country, it's quite obvious that like different places have different cultures and to just ignore that, like ignore the different cultures and say that everyone's just all the same and there's no differences kind of throws over into the melting pot. Uh, the creators of master of none, like Aziz Ansari and a guy named Alan Yang. I think they won some award and like the quote they read was pretty funny. It said, thank you to all the straight white guys who dominated movies and TV so hard and for so long that stories about anyone else seem kind of fresh and original now. I think that's like, <laughs> what you're trying to get at there. Yeah, yeah, basically, right. And yeah, and that show's, that show's really been a big hit. I think Netflix actually, um, one of the reasons I'm like, kind of okay with them being the, the new 
content overlords, which <laughs> they totally are. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, they run comedy, they run TV. I think I read some crazy stats recently. Um, so uh, all of the like content producing studios, CBS, uh, whatever, all the other three letter acronyms uh, mm-hmm. for every other TV channel uh, in the last five years, every single one of them has shrunk in terms of amount of in terms of their key metric which they measure which is like amount of hours per week say that people spend on their consuming their content um and every single one of them had that number decline in the last five years except for netflix where they increased by like 600 percent um and which is maybe a bit of an unfair comparison because they started from nothing but they're currently I think top five. Uh, they're basically as big as anybody else, uh, or as big as they can get. And um, so my point is, uh, my point is that that says it seems like they're doing a pretty solid job with producing content because they see it's in their interest because they have like they're they're trying to expand internationally. They're trying to get to every American home like. It's in their interest to have things that appeal to a very broad range of people, and so they seem to be doing a pretty good job. I generally agree. Yeah, I generally agree. I think there is there they do do a bit of pandering to like demographics. So like when they brought back Arrested Development for like a new season, uh, and and I think that that can that can definitely go wrong in a lot of ways. Like. Have you heard of their new show, like, Bill Nye Saves the World? Oh, yeah, I did see that one. Yeah, apparently um, it was... I don't know much about it. I've seen a few clips, and it's literally just, like, uh, clearly brought back to bring nostalgia to all of us who grew up with Bill Nye, except it's, like, okay. one of the worst, like, most lazily produced, and, like, the messages are not clear. Uh, it, 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 it was kind of, like, cringy to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that, like... Uh, what when when they try to do that and just like specifically pander to a certain demographic, it could fail. Whereas like Master of None, you could argue that I'm pretty much like the te- target demographic as like a brown dude who like probably relates to Aziz Ansari's story more than most. And right. that like I I don't even care if it has like shitty acting or a subpar dialogue. Just the fact that it like relates to my story and it's the only like sto- like TV show with like a brown dude as like the lead. I think makes me automatically enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so that's the thing that's like changing TV so much right now. I mean, this is kind of like a obvious statement, I guess. But like 50 years ago when it was, when it was early, early, or I guess more than 50 years ago, when it was early days of TV and there was like three cable channels, there was like the left wing, the right wing, and the middle, basically. <laughs> and you watch stuff that's like, massively just yeah designed to appeal to be the like political norm and just yeah and now it's like it's gone so far in the opposite extreme that you can literally have shows designed like for you personally more or less or like for a very narrow cohort um compared to otherwise and i think that's like super cool i think that makes for way better content and like Way, or way, way more enjoyable at least and like it's good to be able to also just like taste all the different 
playlist. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a really good that way of. Not, that's not an okay statement because it's not okay. People, uh, people use that. People use taste flavors to refer to like date people of other races, and I don't need to evoke that. So well, <laughs> here I am. Uh, it's a really good way to like find out how your values or like how compatible you are with people too. Like, I know people who have like uh, found a match on Tinder. And we're like list your five favorite favorite shows, and those with like the same five or like three or four were the same. They would like go to the next stage, which is like they take go on a date with them because like, it, yeah. like liking a show says a lot about like your sense of humor, just like what you mm-hmm. would spend hours and hours on, and it's like a, it's almost like a way to optimize dating or hack your matches on Tinder. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, it says it says so much more about you than like. I think it says about more about you than even like what music you're into. True. Uh, at least your top five, right? Because because with music, it's such you tend to consume way way more different people. Um, where your top five shows is like pretty yeah, it's pretty good like fingerprint and probably it does does say a lot about yeah where where you where you sit politically where you sit again. Yeah, on, on like all these different things yeah it's cool it's cool it's a cool time for too cool time for comedy everyone's saying it's uh, comedy tv everything content in quotes yeah Do, uh, just I, before, everything we're in, a, we're in a golden age just before we finish do you have a fact um i can i can scramble to get one let me think um <laughs> well i mean he, I, actually i could say sort of a follow-up from the previous one which is Okay, I have two things. <laughs> um, so, so I follow up the previous thing. I listened to his album and I actually was always, it was actually like I didn't didn't go in expecting much. His recent album never left. Mm-hmm. Um, it has it has some some quality. Just like literally, it fits fits exactly what the title evokes, which is that he hasn't changed in, in a millimeter, and. And he's he's been good, and he's been, yeah. Uh, I I was I was actually pleasantly surprised. I don't think I would have listened to it unless unless you'd actually. You could, when I was bringing it up, you were like, "So do you think you'll actually listen?" I I think if you hadn't said that, I probably wouldn't have listened. But then now with all my blissful work time, I can really yeah. I'm glad, dude. Yeah, I I was talking about this with my friends last day. Like Snoop Dogg is just. <laughs> Uh, he's, a, he's a hero to all of us like how could you not love Snoop Dogg he's like living the best life possible he just like every day is probably amazing for Snoop Dogg and uh, just you know I'm just happy for the guy he's releasing albums yeah so one last thing Yeah. one last thing about him is um, so he, he just because I, I you know, in a frantic scramble before I thought about what I'd done the last couple weeks, I, I was trying to find a fact out by Googling his name, and I always get something good just from, like, looking up news. So, so I just found, like, um, Snoop Dogg calls on One Direction to reform. Whoa. Is a, is a headline. <laughs> Snoop Dogg thinks One Direction re- should reunite while they're young. Whoa. So, like, this dude has opinions, this dude has opinions about direction <laughs> <laughs> can we explore that further like what where did that come from like why why does he have yeah let me let me, let me dig into this article a little bit so i think yeah 
talk about some wise words of advice for the One Direction to get back together. Um, Dude, if Snoop Dogg gave me that advice and I was One Direction, I'd be back together faster than... Right. So, yeah. You know. so, yeah, it says, they got to do it while they're still young. No one wants to see a boy band have a comeback in their 40s. If they do it in the next two or two, they're still, year or two, they're still at a level where they can make another 20 or $30 million each. I mean, it's probably right. Even though, even though they're, they're doing okay individually, right? Like, surprise, better than most boy bands splitting up, at least some of them. They seem to be, uh, at least I've heard a few of them have, like, big solo things. But, I mean, it's, it doesn't last. Rare, rare. Like usually, the boy band has much more appeal than the yeah. individuals. Yeah, no. Want, he, he, so, so he's. I, I think it's. I think it's wise advice. I don't know. He doesn't seem like he. Um, it doesn't seem like he was really like prompted much. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just kind of like said it and someone picked it up. <laughs> yeah. Damn. All right. Well, you know, shout out to One Direction if you're listening right now. Uh, take Snoop Dogg's advice and get your asses back together. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy your enjoy your wickety weekend. See you next week. Peace.